As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! If the Jets are going to win a game this season, this might be the week. The 2-7 and seven Chargers on tap on Sunday. You may agree or disagree whether or not that's a good idea, but it is possible. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes, our Jets beat writer at The Athletic, and our producer, Marissa Morris. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review also. Good show on tap. Dan Popper, who is our Chargers beat writer at The Athletic, longtime friend of Connor and Marissa's classmate at Maryland. All kinds of connections here for Dan Popper. He'll be on in a little bit. Uh, We'll take some questions from you as well. But first, there's been rumors about this, talk about this. We haven't really gotten into it on the podcast until now, but Michigan plays at Rutgers this week in college football, so what better time to talk about Jim Harbaugh? We talked about Eric Bieniemy. We got all into that, the Chiefs assistant coach, so... Let's jump on the Jim Harbaugh train here, Connor. Um, we'll talk about the pros, the cons, I guess, all of that. But the Wolverines are 1-3 and three right now, one year left on his deal. So if there was a time, this might be it. Do you think there's any smoke here? God, that was such a good intro. That was so much better than it's 635. I just slacked him. That was a great intro. Yeah, so much better than it's 635 on Thursday. All right. Panicking. You're not giving context to the people that are listening to this on audio. I will. This is, this is our way, second thing, restart of the show. Um, yeah, Tim we'll, had we'll some technical Harbaugh. issues. We're getting to Harbaugh. We're getting into all that stuff. But like the one thing you, you mentioned, like Popper went to school with Marissa. You can't, you can't, the connections to Marissa don't even count anymore. Like the set, like you heard like the seven everyone, degrees of like everyone, Kevin Bacon yeah. or something. Everyone has some connection to Marissa. I can promise you. Like it's like three degrees too. It's not oh, seven degrees. Her, she's cousins with one of my groomsmen, Andrew Galecki. She went to school with Popper, who I worked, like worked alongside with on the Jets beat for years. Her cousin lived Studied with my sister in Italy. Sister. Yeah. yeah my, her, yeah, lived with my sister for two months in Italy. Like the seven degrees of Marissa is, are all over the place. So that, we can't even draw that connection anymore, but, um, <laughs> Let's let's talk it like Harbaugh is probably to me, I think, going to be the most interesting name when this all comes up on a Jets coaching search, because I think we've talked about it, guys, like like Ace is gone. Like he's he's not going to be this team's coach in 2021. It seems pretty obvious that the Jets are going to let him finish out this year, at least like he's going to be this team's coach throughout the rest of the year. 
they didn't fire him after after Miami. Didn't fire him after Denver. They didn't fire him after New England in the bye. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna give him the final seven weeks and and let him let him roll the the rest of this year, which is you know whatever. You can disagree with it, agree with it. I don't think firing him would accomplish anything other than appease the section of fans that want his head on a stake. So so you can kind of let that one go. And this offseason, you're going to be looking for a new head coach and you're going to be looking for a new guy. And the Jets are going to be linked and tied to Eric Bieniemy, you know, who's going to be arguably uh, probably the hottest head coaching candidate out there. You're going to have Matt Campbell from Iowa State, another hot guy out there. You're probably going to have Dabo Sweeney because uh, Trevor Lawrence is coming out. A lot of people are going to say, oh, maybe you get the pairing of put Sweeney here with the, the Jets. And then you're obviously going to have, you know, Trevor Lawrence come in and take over. But I think the name that is going to be out there and the name that's going to be tied to the Jets again, because it has been tied to the Jets forever, is going to be John Har- Jim Harbaugh. And and if the Jets are going to get him, Tim, I, you referenced it, man, is like this is kind of the year to make it happen. This would be the year to do it. You know, the Jets flirted with him before they hired Rex Ryan. They ended up going with Rex Ryan. You know, they flirted with him when they moved on from, from Todd Bowles, you know, although that was shot down, you know, and, and this past off season, obviously there were the kind of rumors about would the Jets make another run at him. No, they're going to stick with Adam Gase. This is the year where it's kind of like, I feel like Harbaugh might want to get his foot back in the NFL. I think that Michigan might be willing to say like, all right, let's move on from Harbaugh and, and go find someone else. And, and if this is something that the Jets want to go dabble in, I think this is the year that they want to do it. And, and obviously there's a lot to unpack. I, I think there is, there, there's a lot to, to get to. There's a lot to, to understand here, but yeah, like you mentioned, like if you're going to do it, I think this is the year to do it because things haven't really been working for him in Michigan. I know he's won 10 games. His big thing is like, he's won 10 games. He's been a successful coach at Michigan. The issue is that he's never beaten Ohio state. He's never really got him to advance within the playoffs and he's never really developed a quarterback. And if he had a quarterback, maybe he does get to the playoffs and then he advances within the playoffs, but that's been held back. And maybe he does compete against Ohio state, but it just hasn't happened for him. And with the state of Michigan right now, which is what one in three, and I don't think they lose to Rutgers, but if for some strange reason, they actually managed to lose to Rutgers. I mean, that'll probably signal the end of Harbaugh. And, you know, with one year left on his contract, I think this is the year where if they want to move on, Harbaugh can go to Michigan or Harbaugh can move on from Michigan, come here to the Jets if that's where they want to go. And the Jets obviously can, or uh, Michigan can start anew with somebody else. But there's a lot to unpack because I, I think there's a lot to Harbaugh, certainly more to Harbaugh than just is there interest there from the Jets. Yeah, one of the things you have to unpack, I think, is the reason he left the 49ers, right? Because if you look at the numbers, he was wildly successful in San Francisco. He took them to the Super Bowl, took them to three NFC championships, had one eight and eight season and was out the door, not because of the field, what they did on the field, but because he you know, butted heads with the GM there in San Francisco. That was the problem. Um, people have talked about his intensity and how he can wear on players. It seemed like that wasn't really the issue in San Francisco. It was front office and Harbaugh not getting along. So I think you have to figure out if you're going to go down this path, is Joe Douglas the right personality to get along with Jim Harbaugh? Because Douglas is here, yeah. right? I mean, we've been through that. Like Douglas is three years into a six-year deal. He's he's not going anywhere. They have faith in Joe Douglas. So Joe Douglas has to decide if if he thinks his personality will get along with Jim Harbaugh or will clash with Jim Harbaugh because that's where the issue is. And then the question, I guess, would be to Harbaugh, are you okay with just being the coach? Yeah, and that's the big thing. I mean, look, but I think that's also where this has changed slightly because if Harbaugh was going to get back into the NFL last year, if he was going to get back in the NFL two years ago, if he was going to try to get back into the NFL three years ago, you know, when the Jets were, when teams were first kind of inkling and making calls and engaging his interest, 
he had the upper hand. Harbaugh had it all. It was whatever Harbaugh wanted because he could go off of, he's had some decent seasons at Michigan. He's obviously going to lean on what he did in San Francisco, where he was one of the best coaches in the NFL. He's going to lean on all that where he would get whatever he wanted. It wasn't like, you know, Harbaugh had to convince the team to hire him. It was a team had to convince Harbaugh to join them. So he was going to get complete personnel control. You know, he was going to be in charge of the draft, in charge of free agency, in charge of his roster. He was going to have all of the say. That's kind of changed now because we're not at a point with Harbaugh where necessarily NFL teams are like fighting for him. It's going to be almost Harbaugh saying, all right, things haven't worked out in Michigan. I want to get back in the NFL. And once that tone changes and once those tides shift, that's when you suddenly get to a point here where, like you said, Tim, it's not necessarily Harbaugh getting everything he wants. So if Harbaugh is interested in, in just getting back into the NFL and his opinion on this is, I just want to get back in. I want to get a team. I want to coach in the NFL. I want to go the NFL route. I want to go with NFL games. I want to do all of this. I'm kind of done with the recruiting and all that. I think the Jets could potentially be a fit. And, and it's going to be because you will have Joe Douglas as your general manager, Harbaugh as your coach. And as long as Harbaugh is okay with that, Joe Douglas will be okay with that and the relationship will work. Because I think that Harbaugh is the type of coach that the Jets sort of need. And I'm not necessarily Harbaugh the person, but the type of coach that Harbaugh is. You can say, like, I want to go with an offensive-minded guy. You know, I want to go with a defensive-minded guy. I want to go with this minded, the young, brilliant offensive mind. I'm bringing him in, you know, the Cliff Kingsbury or the Eric Bieniemy or or things like that. But I think what the Jets need right now is they need a, a, a head coach. They don't need an offensive coordinator. They don't need a defensive coordinator. They don't need a quarterback's coach. What, what they really need is a head coach, a guy who knows how to build a program, a guy who knows how to – build a staff, a guy who knows how to build a team, a guy who knows how to motivate his guys. You know, that's kind of what the Jets need. They need a head coach. And and they tried that with Todd Bowles, hoping he could make the jump, and, and things didn't really work with Todd, probably more because of the players than because of Todd the person. And Todd also wasn't that great at filling out his coaching staff. They tried the offensive-minded with Adam Gase, and it kind of blew up in their face. And even when Gase got hired, he almost, like literally from the first day we met Gase and we went off on the side of the podium with him, it wasn't necessarily like uh, uh, I'm the head coach of the team. The first thing he said to us was, I want to hire a defensive coordinator that's going to be the head coach of the defense. So immediately when he said that, it kind of went like, okay, the offense is here, the defense is here. Like it's not one guy overseeing everything. There's the offense, there's the defense, and we're both going to try to win football games. You know what I mean? And I, in my head, I remember thinking like, that doesn't really seem right. But the Jets don't need that now. The Jets with their current state, they need a head coach. And Harbaugh is a head coach. You look at him in San Francisco, what he was able to accomplish there that team was loaded. I mean, they had a great offense. They had a great defense. They had great offensive coordinator, Roman. They had great defensive coordinator. They had great special teams. He was able to, Harbaugh, get success and kind of revitalize Alex Smith's career in San Francisco before then turning things over to Colin Kaepernick and getting some of the best years out of Colin Kaepernick's career. And if you want to look at what Harbaugh can do, look at, look at Colin Kaepernick when he had Harbaugh. And then when he lost Harbaugh, I mean, he's a completely different player. And, and I think that it could work. I think it could be the right fix. Now, again, what's going to need to be determined if the Jets want to go this Harbaugh route is like you said, is he willing to not have say in personnel because the Jets are not stripping Joe Douglas of that. Is he going to be able to play nice with Joe Douglas in the sandbox? Or is this going to be something where in a year Harbaugh's pissed and he's throwing sand at Joe Douglas's face? Like, is that what's going to happen in a year? Is he also going to be able to fill out his staff with quality players? Because that offense in San Francisco, Roman, who's now having all that success in Baltimore, he was the offensive coordinator. 
Like he was the guy that got the best and designed the offenses and Harbaugh was there. He was the, the head honcho. And then it also had that. So I think it's an intriguing option. I think it's a very realistic option. If that's the Avenue the jets want to go to certainly this year for the first time in, in recent memory, it's just a matter of, is this the Avenue the jets want to go down? Is this something that they actually want to do? Because it, it's, it's not, it's not cut and dry. It's not black and white. The quarterback thing's interesting because, you know, you mentioned obviously the success with Kaepernick and, and Andrew Luck at Stanford. At Michigan, though, that's weirdly been like the one strange thing. A, he hasn't recruited a top, top of the class type mm-hmm. quarterback. Um, but then the guys he has had and Shea Patterson came in and he hasn't really developed. They haven't seemed to really get better. Joe Milton this year has, has struggled and people thought he might have a breakout year. I feel like we can't put that on on Harbaugh completely because of the success he's hit in the had in the past, but definitely makes you raise your eyebrow a little bit. That like, I thought he would go to Michigan and with his pro style offense and what he had done, immediately have big time quarterbacks swarming Ann Arbor. That every year, every two years, he would have a top three quarterback in the country coming there, and he hasn't been able to recruit them. But maybe if Joe Douglas drafts one of them, either Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. He'll be able to take them from there. Yeah, and it's it's also the other thing too with with that specifically is you're going to need a situation here with the Jets, I think, and 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 if they decide to go this route, where like you need to make sure too that that Harbaugh is not just hammering out the same system that he ran in San Francisco because the thing the thing that makes like good off or, or the thing that makes good offensive minds great is that you are constantly adapting and evolving, and it's it's. I think it's the difference between Mike McCarthy and Adam Gase compared to like an Andy Reid. You know what I mean? Like Andy Reid was in was in Philadelphia with the Eagles and he had immense success throughout the vast majority of his career with, with Donovan McNabb, then with with Michael Vick. I mean, he had loads and loads of success with that Philadelphia Eagles team. It started getting sour towards the end. Like the final 2-3 years it, it wasn't it wasn't the Eagles that they wanted. The Eagles decided to make a change. They brought in Kip Kelly, Chip Kelly, they let Andy Reid go. When Andy Reid went to Kansas City, he kind of did some self-evaluation and he changed himself and he updated his offense and he's changed his offense. And you've seen guys that have come through whether it's been Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy or now Eric Bieniemy, his offensive coordinators have helped him continue to evolve and continue to change. With McCarthy and Green Bay, you saw him build a scheme that worked. It got sour. And it's almost like he just kept trying to slam that square peg in a round hole because it used to work, so it's going to work again. Adam Gase built that offense in in Denver that, yeah, he had Peyton Manning, but still, he got more out of Peyton Manning than anyone had gotten out of Peyton Manning before. He had an offense that was constantly working with with Welker and with Thomas and with Decker and with everything. They took him to a Super Bowl, highest-scoring offense, like a dominant, dominant team. He goes to Chicago, goes to Miami, then comes to the Jets. It's the same offense that he was running in 2015, 2014. Just again, I know it worked before, so I think it's going to work again. I know it worked before, I think it's going to work again. Just again, square peg, round hole. You need to ensure that that's not the case with Harbaugh. That you need to make sure that the offense that worked so well in San Francisco with Roman had a had a had a strong say in. You need to make sure that that offense isn't now going stale in Michigan. That then when the Jets bring it to, to New York, it's going to be a leftover of the San Francisco, which was a leftover in Michigan, which is now coming to New York. And it's just going to be, again, square peg round hole. And it's, it takes a right 
the right kind of offensive minded guy and the right kind of coach to be able to continue to adapt and evolve. You know what I mean? Because like when the defense starts to figure out, you change it. Then the defense figures that out. So you change it and you constantly change and you constantly adjust and you constantly evolve. You need to make sure that Harbaugh is more Andy Reed and not Gase and McCarthy and all these other guys that kind of just go stagnant and then wash out of the league. You know what I mean? Chip Kelly, another example, perfect example of the guy that lit it up in Oregon, went to Philadelphia, had success, Failed after a couple of years, went to San Francisco, failed again. And now where is he at UCLA? Right. And he's not, he's, I mean, the offense is nothing like what it was in Oregon because people figure it out. They counter and you got to adjust and change. And and you need to make sure Harbaugh is going to adjust and change. He's not just going to keep kind of ramming the same thing in there. Yeah. And Greg Roman was his guy, um, Stanford and the, and the Niners. He's now in Baltimore kind of running the same thing with Lamar Jackson, but he's tweaked it a little bit. I think in Baltimore, it's a little bit different. Um, obviously Lamar Jackson, a special talent. All right. Popper's going to be joining us in a minute, but before we get to that, um, quickly, just on the jets quarterback situation, we got into it a little bit earlier in the week Connor Sam Darnold, obviously not going to play this week, maybe not going to play next week. Um, it's a tough situation. Uh, you wrote a column about it this week too, about how bad it, it just is for this team overall and how they've kind of, They've let him down, which we talked a little bit about with Dane Brugler as well. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's what's that's what's sad. And that's that's kind of the point of the con. We we touched upon it briefly with Dane, and then Dane came on, so we had to cut the conversation short. But I I it's just it's it's honest, it's sad. Like when I think about Sam and like I remember when the Jets drafted him, and I remember the hype of like when the Jets first drafted this kid, and it was like, holy cow, you know, like the Jets have Sam Darnold. And I remember talking to Mike McCagnan. Um, during an owner's meeting, I think, and and talking to him and him going, you know, saying to me, he goes, you know, Connor, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know what's next for me. You know, you, no one knows what the future holds, but I always think it's going to be really cool that I can, no matter where I go, no matter how long I'm here, I can look back on my career and say, I drafted the Jets, their next franchise quarterback. You know what I mean? Like that's how people viewed Sam. That's how people viewed Darnold. They viewed him in that light. And, and McCagnan viewed him that way all the way up until he got let go. And the Jets viewed him that way Honestly, I think they still think he has franchise quarterback potential right now. And to see him fall off and to see Sam go, get to this point where it's almost inevitable that a divorce is happening, it's kind of upsetting because, like, you think about the promise, you know, the, the thought of, like, when he beat the Lions in his first career start, you know, the pick six on his first pass, but then he comes running back and it's Robbie for the touchdown and Quincy for the touchdown. He's moving all over. And it's just like, this is a new age. You know, the Jets finally have their quarterback. It's the next Joe Namath. They've got their guy. Now they fill all these pieces around him. It's impossible to know right now what Sam Darnold would be if the Jets had done for him what the Texans did for Deshaun Watson. If the Jets did for Sam what the Chiefs did for Pat Mahomes, if the Jets did for Sam what for a while the Eagles had done for Carson Wentz and the Rams had done for Jared Goff, where you build or the Bills have done for Josh Allen, where you build the line, you give him a competent stable of running backs, you give him elite level playmakers, and you say, like, go make plays, man. We're gonna cultivate an environment. The Jets just haven't done that. You know what I mean? Like, like the the drafting by McCagnan from 17, 8, 16, 16, 17, 18, and 19, it's just abysmal. And, and Joe Douglas kind of tried to make things better. There's no way Joe Douglas was going to fix four years of struggle in one off season. It just, it wasn't going to happen. You need more time than that. And every time I think about Sam and, and when I think about Sam, when this is all over and he goes to, to Pittsburgh, or he goes to Indianapolis or he goes to Denver or wherever he goes next for me, I'm always going to look at his jets career as like, what could have been? Because at the end of the day, he's going to be known as the next guy who failed in replacing Joe Namath. 
Like that's a fact. He's going to be known as the guy who failed to replace Joe Namath. It's a big club. Big club. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it is. It's all the guys that have failed, and he's the next in line. And he didn't fail him though because Sam failed. Like Sam didn't fail because of Sam. It's not like when Sanchez failed or or Hackenberg failed or any of these. Like it's not like that. Sam failed because the Jets failed him because the Jets didn't give him the offensive line. The Jets didn't give him the receivers. The Jets didn't give him any of these players that could have made him a successful quarterback. They basically said, Sam, you're a rookie. Go try to win football games. And you've seen him develop these bad tendencies where his mechanics are a mess, where his internal clock is basically thrown off the George Washington bridge, where he's making mistakes and mental mishaps that should be long extinct from a quarterback in year three. He's still making them. And you don't know if he's making these mistakes because Sam is a poor quarterback or if it's because he spent three years running for his life behind a bad offensive line, or it's because he spent three years throwing to guys like Jermaine curse and Robbie Anderson and Brashad Perryman and not Deandre Hopkins. Or if he's this struggling because he's had Jeremy Bates and Adam Gase rearing him instead of a true elite level offensive minded guy, you don't know. And, and it's a shame because you'd like to say like, all right, Let's see what Sam can do when Joe Douglas adds more weapons and he adds a better offensive line and he gets a different off, you know, different coach coach in here to get him going. You want to say like, I want to see what Sam can do, but you can't afford Sam that opportunity. You can't give Sam that chance because you can't pass on Trevor Lawrence or what's looking like Justin Fields. Like you can't pass on those two guys. So you can't give Sam his actual chance to evaluate him. And and it's a shame. It really, it really is a shame because I think Sam can play. It's just a matter of you're not going to figure out if he can play here in New York. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Daniel Popper has joined us, the beat writer at The Athletic for the Chargers to, well, we were going to say, Dan, that you're going to get us ready for this game, but I'm pretty sure Connor just wants to talk to you about completely different unfootball related things. So, but thanks for coming on. Of course, I'm, I would be happy to talk about anything except this game. Dude, I've been doing that since week two. Connor and I are, 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 are the rare writer who has been in this business for what five, you, you're close to the eight years now, I'm the six years, and we've just never covered anywhere close. Yeah. No, nope. cl- not even because you didn't come, you weren't on the Jets beat in 15, right? You you came, you were there. Yeah, I was there. I was there like on and off. I was still like a GA guy, okay. but team didn't even make the no, playoffs. They, didn't. they were like, 10 and six, though. <laughs> they won 10 games. I remember yeah. making the trip up to Buffalo, and yeah. like, I was like, man, that's best- gonna cover a playoff game, and then no, didn't happen didn't happen Patrick threw four picks yeah the best team we the best team that I've ever been around they had a must-win game in Buffalo and their starting quarterback threw four interceptions that just puts in perspective 
the best football that I've watched. I'm, I consider myself an expert in bad football. Oh. So I guess I'm the best person to talk about this game. Then. <laughs> I do find it. You know, what's actually funny though, is that, you know, the, the, the whole story about Todd Bowles during his time with the jets and it's just kind of randomly piecing this together. But the whole thing with Todd was that like, he was a solid coach. Like the, the jets always played hard for him. They just couldn't yeah. close out games. And if I'm not mistaken, pop, you covered all of Todd Bowles, tenure when they could never close out games. Mm-hmm. And now you're in LA and that team with Anthony Lynn cannot close out games. So I don't think it was Todd. Like, is it my fault? You know, yeah. I, like, I, it was always a bit, right? It was always a bit that like, yeah, look at Popper curse. Like, oh, the offensive thing. coordinator gets fired every year. But like, it's gotten to the point where I'm like, maybe it's not a bit. <sighs> and maybe I'm actually cursed. Until I, until I can like, watch a decent football team in one of these seasons, I have to at least consider the fact that I'm a cursed well, individual. Well, wait, I think I think we need to rewind a little bit because this started okay. at Maryland. This oh, curse. Bad oh, yeah. Maryland football. Yeah. <laughs> the coach, but I bet yeah. <laughs> like this has been going yeah, on the, like before your professional career. That's true. Yeah. But I don't think the curse was like now that I'm like getting paid to do it, my the curse the curse is worse. <laughs> yes. Like it, it's it affects the it affects the situation more. But I mean, like the one team I did cover, the, at Maryland, they won in Penn State. They won at Beaver Stadium yeah. that year. Just I mean, they got the, the crap knocked out of them by everyone else. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, Randy, Randy Etzel was Randy Etzel was leading Maryland to the future. Yeah. And well, so you were were you those. gone when Etzel was fired? Then no, that was the following year, right? Yeah. So I, that was my senior year. Would have been the Etzel year where everyone was like, "Whoa, maybe okay. we got a guy, and we're going to be a thing in the Big Ten. And then the next year, it was like basketball school. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone resorts back to. Before we do get to uh, to Justin, to Herbert, who I know, I, I'm surprised actually we were able to buy time with you because now you're viral. Like your tweet yesterday <laughs> on Justin Herbert. I was surprised we could we, we could steal you from like Oprah and Ellen <laughs> and the late night show and all that with with the viral with how viral you went. Man, you're going to be like uh, Addison Ray on TikTok soon, just making money from your tweets and all that stuff. So I know before we... I can't dance. <laughs> so we'll, we'll wait to see <laughs> it. We'll wait to see it. Yeah. I don't think, I, yeah, I'm never going to be dancing on TikTok, but I mean, I was like, I just took a screenshot. I just like, I didn't even like, it wasn't even a creative like tweet at all. I've had other it tweets exploded. that I thought should have gone viral that were much funnier. Sometimes it's better to be yeah, first I mean, than, well, you were accurate also. It was yeah. his haircut and you were first and that yeah. made it go viral. <laughs> Honestly, one of the more wild days I've ever had covering football, just because he admits that it was the strength and conditioning coach that cut his hair. And the strength and conditioning coach, John Lott, said that he was good with the Clippers. That's what he said. So yeah. that's – and I tweeted this. It brought me right back to college when my friend Chris was like, let's give you a mohawk. And I was like, sounds great. <laughs> and I, he's like, I'm, I'm good with the Clippers. And I was like, I just totally related to him. And you kind of forget that he's like – he's a 22-year-old kid. And like when we, were, when we were at – all of us were that age. We made dumb decisions about our hairs too and trusted the guy who said that he was good with the Clippers. It just was a Honor very did this like moment. a month ago. Oh, I let Brie cut my hair. Oh, I let Brie cut my hair. She tried to give me a fade, and it was it was it went bad. You wore that hat for. uh... Oh, I wore that hat for months. I was like, oh yeah. Unfortunately, there are picks. No, but I want to. So like, casually, this was casually not mentioned in the group chat. Oh, this no. I I left this. I left this one out. Andy Andy and Daryl weren't touching that one. No, I I wanted to give you a moment because like, you're a you're a New York guy, so you're a big like basketball is the passion. I know you cover football. You're you're the Chargers beat. You do a great job over there. Basketball is your thing. And so before we get to like the whole Herbert and and this game and all that, give me a breakdown of the Knicks draft. 
give me a breakdown of the next draft and then assess what this like hardened net stuff is going on. And I know like, I, I figure a lot of people that are watching this are probably basketball fans as well, but like, I'm a fan of Obi. I'm a fan of Obi. Obi's, Obi's good. I, I don't have the ability to be hopeful about the Knicks That's anymore. <laughs> that ended, I, I swear to God, I used to, I mean, I was a diehard fan growing up. I used to have orange and white braces. I watched every game. I mean, I was, I loved Jamal, even like, like terrible Jamal Crawford teams, the David Lee teams when he was like an all-star, like I would get myself excited about the future. And then they traded Chris Porzingis. And I said, I'm never, ever again getting excited or hopeful about this team until they prove it on the court because they've just been bad my entire life. And the crazy thing about the Knicks is most people don't realize how bad of a franchise they are. You go up to like a, like a layman fan, anyone on the street, whatever. You know, be like, when's the last time the Knicks won a championship? Oh, they'll be like, didn't they win one in the 90s? I'll be like, no, not with the Ewing teams. Most people don't know that the last time they won a championship was 1973. 1973. 1973. At 27 years old, I have no ability to be hopeful about this team any longer. Now, I do trust Leon Rose, and I think he's, if there's one guy that can actually get the Knicks out of this morass, it is him just because he's been on the team for so long as an agent and and knows sort of the culture of the building and how it can seep into every facet of the team and 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 just the the, the just the devastating impact that having bad ownership can have on a franchise even as illustrious and historic as the Knicks. Um, so I I like I'm not hopeful. I'm a little bit more optimistic than I typically am. Like I think the the, the kid they drafted from Dayton, Obi Toppin. I think like he's a he's a good player. He was he played well at Dayton, and 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 when I watched him, he was exciting and athletic, and and all the things that you're looking for. Um, but overall, like I just can't get hopeful about the team anymore because they let me down so many times in my life. And I can I can guarantee you that most Knicks fans that have watched a lot of Knicks basketball feel very similarly to how I. Oh, feel. I, it's it's depressing. My friends make fun of me about it because I'll I'll pick on them about the Sixers. I'll make fun of him about the Sixers and they're like, dude, what are the Knicks doing? I was like, just don't even bring up the Knicks. Like it doesn't even count anymore. Like it's like, you can't, like, it's just, it's picking on the slowest kid. It's like, you're going to beat him anyway. Like it's, it's just, it's like, he's, he's not fast. He's not getting through it. It just doesn't even matter. So it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But like the one thing is the, like when I was reading about, oh, he's the one they were saying, it's like the mini stat, like the mini stat of Right. And so I was like, ah, I mean, that, that makes yeah. a little bit of sense. And I, I'm interested to see what RJ Barrett's going to do in, in, uh, in year two. And, and I'm curious, I like Thibodeau. I do like that. I think he's a good coach. He's a competent coach. So I like him. It's just a matter of like, they're so far away. It's it's like, even like all like the, the, the baseline is like, I know I was listening to the radio. They're like, Oh, just get him competent again. Just get him like entertaining. And, but that's always the thing. It's like, even when they, they brought in competent coaches before and it just, it just, it just doesn't yeah. work. It's just, it's it's really the culture in the building, but you know the hope is that this this new regime is they're actually going to turn a corner. But like I remember, like the Phil Jackson years, I literally was like, oh, Phil Jackson's the new president oh, of basketball operations. Crazy. Like this is where the franchise is finally going to turn a corner. And his first pick and, was Porzingis. Ended up being like, and it ended up being like the worst experience ever because it's like, okay, Jim Dolan finally said to himself, okay, let me get the best basketball mind I can find to run this team, and it's still ended up in complete and utter disaster. That was bad. And so like, you know, I let if they win 50 games next season and a surprise team in the league. Great. I'll be very happy. 
but I, I just can't get hopeful. I can't. I've been let down too many times. Well, we'll, we'll pivot from that then to uh, to another hopeful in- instance here is the Jets Chargers. So but, much optimism everywhere. But seriously, like the one thing I will give you guys is that that kid Herbert, and you can give the little scouting report on him because I, I loved him coming out. I mean, I think I think both I think you and I were both at the senior bowl where where Herbert was there right before like the whole country went to shit. And we were sitting there and you kind of like the cool thing about the senior bowl, unlike a lot of other like evaluation moments is you generally, sometimes you do get some elite level prospects there and they're going through the drills right in front of you. I mean, it's almost like if you've ever covered high school sports or you're standing right on the other side of the, the track and you're just watching these players work out and you're watching these players go through drills. And I remember you and I were sitting there and obviously the Jets need a quarterback, but Herbert was there and you saw like whatever the other quarterbacks were that were in the draft. I forget who was there at the senior bowl. They go through the drill. They go through the drill. It's like a little, you know, moving in and out of the bags. Then Herbert gets up and you watch him go and you're like, I'm no, I'm no evaluator of talent. I'm no quarterback coach, but like you watch Herbert, you're like that's different than what I just saw the other guys do. Like it looks smooth. I still watching hard knocks and seeing how they portrayed him in hard knocks to then see what this kid's doing on the field. Now, since he took over for Tyrod Taylor, did you see it coming? Was there any indication this was coming? Cause he, I mean, he looks better than Tua. He looks better than Burrow. He looks better than the quarterbacks we see we saw come out last year. I mean, the guy's lighting the world on fire. I mean, he looks unreal. Yeah. So the thing with him is like it was never the physical tools. Like if you wanted to build the perfect quarterback and, and had access to any physical tools you wanted, you'd build Justin Herbert. I mean, 6'6, 240, runs a four, six, seven, can throw the ball like 80 yards in the air and 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 has an absolute rocket, is accurate. And, and has all of those physical tools that you're looking for. The issue was that his decision broke down when he was under pressure and, and could he process things fast enough mentally in the NFL to make the right decisions and, and, you, and really maximize those physical tools. And so when he first came in, I didn't expect him to play as well as he did. Um, it's the ability to go through his progressions it's the ability to make decisions under pressure. Like there was a period of time where he was like the best quarterback in the league when under pressure and when blitz um, it's fallen off a little bit, obviously he didn't play particularly well against the dolphins, but the fact that he turned what was a lot of people considered his greatest weakness into his greatest strength. I think he deserves a ton of credit as far as putting in the work, you know, even in the spring working with his personal quarterback coach to learn how to operate under center. Cause it's, he only took one under center snap his entire college career. Um, and, and putting in the work with the playbook and learning the system. Um, but the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. And that's really the, like the, at, the, at the crux of the Chargers right now and, and sort of how they move forward. Because the coaching staff has put him in a position to be successful. They've designed a system that is tailored to his strengths. Um, it's a lot of uh, option read stuff. Um, it's a lot of, uh, you know, wide zone bootleg type stuff, getting him on the move, moving the pocket. Um, changing where he's throwing from and utilizing his legs uh, and his ability to throw on the run. Um, and they've also, you know, they've done half field reads with him. They've sort of made it as easy as possible on him to, to, to make throws and especially to utilize his arm strength down the field, calling shot plays off play action, all that kind of stuff. Um, so do you, a lot of fans want Anthony Lynn gone, but if Anthony Lynn's gone, that means the coaching staff is gone. And that means the offensive coordinator who's calling the plays is gone. And the quarterback's coach, Pep Hamilton, who has been the primary guy leading Justin Herbert's development is also gone. Um, and so it's, it's this two-sided coin. Um, but the coaches staff deserves credit. Herbert deserves credit, um, you know, for, for exceeding expectations. I don't think anyone in football expected Justin Herbert to perform this well uh, just because of 
sort of the limitations that he had or the perceived limitations he had as far as processing information. You're talking about that offensive scheme. It's alien concept. I don't know, designing, designing something around your, your young quarterback, his strengths, putting him in a position to have success. I don't know. I don't know about any of that. I think, I think you just, right. you get something yeah. that works in 2015. You just keep hammering home until, you know, your quarterback can do what Peyton Manning did. I think that's how it's supposed to work personally. I don't know. A little bit different, but I think um, I'm with you, man. <laughs> That uh, I'm with you. That that team though, like the the whole thing right now with the Jets, and, and obviously going into this game is that the Jets have kind of been a get right team for for basically every quarterback that they play. I mean, I think that, that it might have been Rich Smeany tweeted it out where it was like the number of players that have had career days against the Jets is pretty much every single week. A quarterbacks had a career day against the Jets. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. And the Jets this week going in this game against the Chargers, they're going to be obviously without Pierre Desir, who they cut, who was their starting corner. Bless Austin's getting an MRI in his neck, which obviously doesn't sound too good. He might be out of that game. They just put Brian Poole, their nickel corner, on, on the IR. So you're looking at a secondary right now. It's going to be Lamar Jackson, Bryce Hall, and either Javelin Guidry or Arthur Mollette. I mean, that's what's going to be trying to stop a, 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 a team in, in L.A. that's now, what, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, uh, Hunter Henry, the tight end. I mean, there's there's a – that's this is this is shaping up to be one that – the Chargers offense looks good and they might look incredible this Sunday, no? Yeah. I mean, they've gone out and put up some huge numbers against really good defenses. I mean, you point to the Bucks game, they put up 31 points on a Bucks defense that's regarded as at least a top five unit, maybe the best unit in all of football. Um, and they were doing it on shot plays and, and beating Todd Bowles' pressure defense with, with deep balls over the top. Um, you know, the Jets clearly don't have the personnel to match up with the Chargers receivers who, and they do. The, the thing is they've always had this great group of skill position players, but it doesn't matter if you can't block and you can't protect up front. Um, and obviously Greg Williams isn't afraid to bring pressure and and the Chargers struggled with Brian Flores' pressure scheme last week. It was, I mean, Keenan Allen admitted after the game that it was, that the offense was confused. I mean, they were showing zero blitz looks and then dropping into uh, in the, you know, cover three off of those and sometimes blitzing and it, it rattled Justin Herbert. I mean, I look at it absolutely as a get right game, but the chargers just generally always play down to their opponents for whatever reason. And and you look at a team that's two and seven, I mean, they can go on these zoom calls and talk all they want about how, you know, you're playing for your next contract and, and you don't want to put bad film on there. You know, the number of times I've heard that over my career covering football and still seen slop on the field. So I'm, I, that doesn't convince me that they're, they're going to go out there and, and, you know, dominate the jets they just play down to their opponents it's just what they do um and i i could definitely see that happening um especially for a team like that, that hasn't won like that is motivation in itself like when you're two and seven you're not going to be a winless team so really what else do you have to play for and and we'll see i mean it's not a bad matchup it's a, it's a terrible matchup on paper for the jets um but i just when i've watched too many of these games where the chargers have, have gone in and, and played down to their opponents and i would expect nothing less I was going to say, um, when you look at these two teams, and we'll get back to the fact that they're both bad, and there's a chance they'll both have coach openings. We know for a fact that Adam Gase is going to be gone. We'll see what happens with the Chargers. Um, but I would think Eric Bieniemy is high on both lists. If it came down to these two teams and Eric Bieniemy, um, do you think New York at this point is maybe the better look because of the picks and the choice of quarterback versus LA, where you you know you have the quarterback, which is good, but but. Other than that, you don't have maybe quite as good a setup. How do you think that could play out if if Bienemy ends up being choice one for both these franchises? Yeah, they would be the two best 
openings, in my opinion, as compared to say the Texans yeah. or the Falcons. But I, I would imagine he's going to lean towards the Chargers. Um, they have much more talent on the roster. They have a lot of cap flexibility heading into this offseason. They have all their draft picks. They'll get an extra third round pick next year for uh, Philip Rivers as a as a comp pick. And they have the quarterback. That is essential. Like we've seen the Jets gave up how many three second round picks to move up and get Sam Darnold. And now he might not be the guy. Like when you get a quarterback, that is so important. Uh, not having that guy, I think, would make the Jets opening less, um, you know, less less of a of, of an attractive uh, sort of opening than, than the Chargers would be. Um, just because it's like you talk to any personnel decision maker in the NFL, like the hardest thing to do is to draft a quarterback and successfully groom him into into a guy who can be a, a franchise player. Um, the, the Chargers clearly have that in Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, he, he's only going to keep getting better as he plays more. Um, the, the jury's still out on Sam Darnold. I'm sure there's some people in the league who think he can be a, a top player, but as far as getting the Jets back on track, I mean, it, it makes much more sense to trade Sam Darnold and take Trevor Lawrence if you end up at number one overall. You get an, an extra draft pick in there. Um, and so, I mean, you could argue that if the Jets absolutely have the number one overall pick, then you could, then you had your quarterback. But in my opinion, I'm taking the proven commodity. Justin Herbert has gone out and done it on NFL field. And while everyone expects Trevor Lawrence to be able to do it, the, the, the fact of the matter is he hasn't. You mentioned that that talent because the Chargers, I feel like every single year are the team that, I mean, you look at the roster and whether it's Bosa and Ingram on the defense, the secondary has always been good. The offensive line is usually pretty good. They had Melvin Ingram before, or the running back, I'm sorry, Melvin Gordon before they moved on from him, but you replace him with Austin Eckler, who when he's healthy, not dealing with that hamstring is a top level back. You have the quarterback, the receivers obviously are nasty. What has been the holdup? Because it feels like every year the Chargers are like that dark horse team. You know what I mean? The dark horse team to turn the corner, the dark horse team make a Super Bowl run, and they never actually do it. You know what I mean? And and is yeah. is it to the point now where where a head coaching change is is needed, or is or is this team one of those where they're saying you've got the rookie you got the rookie quarterback? It's his first year. You can't really expect too too much. We're going to give Anthony Lynn one more year with him. Pep Hamilton, who looks like the real deal as a, as a quarterbacks coach, that you're going to give that, that yeah. staff one more year to to try to turn it around. So it, it, it's it's twofold in my opinion. It's injuries, and then that's been really the story of the last two seasons. They lost Derwin James for the year last year when he uh, suffered a stress fracture in his foot in training camp. They lost him again for the season this year. He ended up playing like five games at the end of last year, but they were already out of contention at this point this year. He tore his meniscus in training camp out for the year. Like that's their best player. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's, he's a defensive player of the year candidate when he's healthy and losing him just changes everything about this defense. And you've seen it two years in a row. Um, then in the first game of the season, they lose their starting will linebacker, Drew Tranquil, who I thought was going to have a breakout season. So all of a sudden you have a rookie in there and Kenneth Murray at middle linebacker without the best linebacker on your roster playing. Um, they went out and overhauled the right side of their offensive line, traded for Trey Turner, a five-time pro ball guard. He suffers a groin injury and misses all but one game over the first half of the season. Brian Bulaga misses multiple games with their starting right tackle. They signed free agency with the back and a knee. Um, it just all accumulates. And when you don't have your best players in the field, you're not going to make plays in, in, in crucial moments. And, and that's what you see from this team. You have inexperienced players in the field that are just not performing in crucial situations. And that's what it comes down to in terms of, in terms of injuries. But the, the other side of it is they, they just haven't invested draft capital in their offensive line. And it's sounds been familiar. Throughout the tenure <laughs> of Jen 
but at least like Makai Becton looks like the real deal. Yeah. At least they, I mean, it's obviously Joe Douglas is a new GM, but they, they invested. The Chargers have not used a first round pick on an offensive lineman since 2013. And DJ Fluker, that was Tom Telesco's first year as GM. And they've only used one second round pick on an offensive lineman throughout his tenure. And that's Forrest Lamp, a guard. Like you look at the good offensive lines in football. The Saints are a great example. One of the best units in the league. They were one of the best units in the league last year. And what did they spend their first round pick on? Cesar Ruiz, an offensive lineman. Because you need to protect to be good in the NFL. And they've just ignored it. And they've tried to patch it up with free agents like Mike Pouncey and Russell Okun. And they tried to trade for, for potentially a young up and coming or a young established player like Trey Turner. He gets injured. They signed a, a right tackle in Brian Blogg who's over 30. He gets injured. And they continue to, to try and develop these late round picks into starters. I mean, Sam Tevy was a sixth round pick. He's their starting left tackle. And he's just not good enough to be a, a franchise left tackle in the NFL. He's, he's, an, he's, he's a swing tackle type guy. I like his skill set. He's athletic and he can do some things out there in the run game and the screen game, but he's just not good enough as a pass protector. And this is, this is year three, year four for him. And it, it, at this point, it's like, okay, at what point are you going to start spending draft capital on your offensive line? And that's every year it's been the issue with this team. They just don't protect well enough. And the great teams in the NFL have offensive lines that are consistent and deep so that you can weather injuries. So I'd say both those things. Lack of attention on the offensive line, I think, is an indictment of the front office. Um, and then the, uh, the injuries overall have just been brutal the last two years. Well, this was so great. Thank you for joining us. But we do have one quick question before we let you go. Um, this one is from Ryan. He says, please ask Popper to tell us the most embarrassing story of Connor that he can. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's so oh, you've given us some good. I didn't chargers. realize you're opening up the door when you texted me and you said, Hey, we'll wrap it up. Oh, and we have one God. more fan yeah. question. So oh, I was my. trying to make it I'm sound trying like to be it careful, was like, though. I was trying to make it sound like it was oh. like a legit, a legit question, but yeah. So, you know, you've given us the, the good info on the chargers. Wow. And I'll keep out of it. That's Pop. all important. You can fire free. Yeah. We need to know the real stuff. And this is this is a precarious road because <laughs> I probably have more embarrassing stories about me than Connor has about himself. It's true. So if I come on here and I won't retaliate. Stories, I won't retaliate. Like, I'll, I'll hold back. I'll hold back till Jets charges in the Super Bowl. Then we'll really go or it's in the AFC championship. Then we'll really go at it. Have a whole so I, I feel like I can tell this. And this is like a general story, but when uh when Connor starts drinking, he will send oh uh, my God. selfies. <laughs> okay. No, I don't yeah. think you know the selfie so, story. Do you oh, know that? no, not selfies, but like so, texts, like just keeps texting. I will, <laughs> I will. There were days when I used to live in New York when I would, I would wake up to like 30, <laughs> 35 Snapchat pictures from Connor and I'd wake up and I'd just go through it <laughs> click by click and it would just be just like a like a like if we could graph the line of just like his humanity oh. it would just be like a steady decline into madness <laughs> and then so just as a general overview but that's all that's all i'm gonna do because connor's saying here that he won't retaliate but i know for a fact yeah. that he will and so i'm not gonna go into too many specifics about the uh embarrassing Self, the selfies is a safe one together selfies yeah. is a podcast that was a safe one, right? yeah it's embarrassing <laughs> it is embarrassing but it is a it is yeah I, i'm a big selfie that's not too selfie bad. Guy. He's That's admitted that he's a, a big twerker now when he drinks. Um, he's, I that think he's told true. that on the show. 
which I, I have not told that on the show. That was a, oh. that was a text, but now it is on the show. So okay. that's out there now too. <laughs> that was a text, Marissa, but yes, now that's on the show. The lines yeah. blur between the Slack conversations, the oh. texts yeah. and the actual yeah. show. We so don't now know everyone knows Connor likes to twerk and take selfies. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to do a you lot. You your Pop, Justin Pop's Herbert and Poe and Connor's uh, yeah, me <laughs> Snapchat twerking. game. Pop. Pop's yeah. coming down to the, my bachelor party in uh, New Orleans for, uh, for, for. I hope I didn't stir anything. No, up, no, you, no, you're good. It's but like, I'm saying we're gonna do a live like broadcast there. We're gonna go. We're gonna go like 5 p.m. We'll do a live broadcast from New Orleans at my bachelor party. We'll, we'll bring Tim, Marissa, and uh, Pop and I from New Orleans. We'll see. No, how that I, I, I want zero part of that. But we did say we did say that Connor <laughs> might need to bring me to keep him in line because. You know, I tweet for Connor. I wake he he wants it, yeah. alarms. I have to call him in the morning to make sure that he's awake. True. Like he, yeah. you know, my alarm uh, didn't work. What so was I, this bit about you being late? Yeah. yeah, you're late to the podcast. I've been on time the last three though. He's I, I have late. been on time. You know, Connor. Some of us don't even have podcasts. You should be you should be grateful. I think this is a preview. This is like we're gonna have a spinoff. Like you know, how, like they have all these like random like uh, that that uh, what was the Big Bang Theory? Now they have like the Sheldon Show. Uh, this is it. We've got yeah. the Can't We podcast, and we're gonna have the Popcast spinoff. Like that's what's Ooh, next. The, the Athletics gonna hand out a podcast. Marissa already produces the old one. He used to have the pot. He had he had the podcast, the Daily News. Marissa wow, already produces so. the podcast, so we can give yes, her the podcast. I do the podcast with Joe Posnanski. Yeah. So. I used, that's what I used to call my uh, my podcast at the Daily News. Oh, it was good too. It was just it was it was just pure takes. <laughs> it was. You'd like it. I'm telling you. It, good. <laughs> it was good. All right. Good Pop, stuff, Bob. Thank Robert. you for joining. Thanks for coming uh, on. Thank awesome. you for joining. Thanks for having me, guys. Kaylee, our best. Go Terps. Will do. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> yeah, go Terps. Talk soon. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, we got to get to our picks that yep. I just made. Yeah, um. uh, yeah so checking out in that up. I twerk when I drink. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Did He's I... already told us he twerks when he drinks. It's like, that was a text message, Marissa. <laughs> Did I sound that? professional? I was like, okay, well, thank you for joining us. And this is our one last question. And then I, you know, wanted to throw you, you off. Did. You did. You bought, well, you, because you te- that's what I said. It was like, I was, all right, Tim, you got next question. I got this one. Tim's like, you got one more. I was like, all right. Marissa said, she goes, hey, she goes, we got a listener question. And I was like, all right, sweet. Like, that's pretty good. Like, all right, go ahead. Ask him. Like, just let Tim know. Cause I just texted him. And all of a sudden I hear, you got any embarrassing stuff? I was like, oh. It was boy. from a listener Tim. though. So it was know, a listener. No question, I was just, you know, yeah. the chat. No, Pop and I can go. Chat wants to know. So. 
all I got. Pop, Pop and I have some stories on each other. He was he he picked a good one. He picked a safe one because there are there are some not safe for work ones that because we went to our best friend Daryl, one of our best friends Daryl Slater, at a bachelor party in New Orleans, and Pop and I were both there for that one together. And obviously, we were on the road together for the Jets, so it was. There's some. They'll be in. They'll be in his book. When when both of us write books, we'll have we'll have a chapter to to divulge those. You mean those when secrets. I write your book and you just put your name <laughs> on the cover? <laughs> That's fair. As told by Marissa. As told by. I'll be All right. So uh, so the picks race has tightened up a little bit. Me and Connor both going one and two last week. Marissa two and one. So you should have started that I'm by saying the Connor's way. in last place. That's how you just should have started it. Yeah, I could have done that. Vicious, Connor's in last vicious. 16 and 14. We're all over 500. Uh, Marissa 16, 13 and one. I'm 17, 12 and one. That brings us to Connor with this week's picks. And I, you can't lie about the Thursday night game because we're doing this before the game. And I think you picked that game. I did, yeah. Just because I I've been on Seattle like all year, like honestly, like my I, and I I had yeah, last such week great it didn't success. Work out. No, last week it did not, but like early in the season it did, and I think I've lost now back to back weeks betting the Seahawks, like where I bet them two weeks ago and I bet them last week, and I I can't imagine that team led by Russell Wilson loses a third in a row, and that game also where they played the Cardinals before, Seattle should have won that game. Like Russell Wilson threw a brutal interception to Chris Carson in the flat, which I think it was was a Buda Baker picked off and ran it. It was the where DK ended up catching him. Yeah. I mean, that's like, it's just like Russell made mistakes that Russell doesn't make the three interceptions, which you're like, what do you do? Like, he doesn't do that. The other interception in overtime, like they, there were so many opportunities where Seattle should have won that game on the road in Arizona. I think they're going to win tonight. I think they're going to win comfortably. I know it's a three point spread. I think Seattle can win that one by seven, maybe even 14. I do like Arizona. Arizona is a lot better than I expected them to be. Kyler Murray's a lot better than I thought he was. I thought he was a good quarterback. I didn't think he would be this good as a passer. Um, but I, I do like Seattle. They almost beat Arizona last time. I know they're a little banged up with the running back where Carson's not going to play and stuff. But I do I do like Seattle this week on Thursday night at home. And and I kind of just like the idea of, of uh, I think Pete Carroll just has more success on Thursday night than, than Kingsbury would. So give me Seattle minus three. Uh, I generally don't touch the Jet games, but whenever you can get a, a Jet spread under 10, I, I like it. And and the Chargers being favored by nine and a half. The Jets are going east to west coast. That's hard. The Jets secondary is ridiculously banged up. They're going to be obviously, I think Keenan Allen or Keenan Allen, Williams, Henry, I think they're all going to go crazy. Justin Herbert's going to have a field day against this secondary. I don't see the Jets and Joe Flacco being able to match them stride for stride. I just don't see that happening. So I do think the Chargers are going to cover this one and cover it pretty comfortably. So I'll take Seattle minus three, Chargers minus nine and a half. And the other one that I'm so-so on is the Chiefs minus eight against the Raiders. Now, I think that there is legitimately something there regarding the Raiders kind of taking their victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium after they beat the, the Chiefs earlier in the year. The the Chiefs and, and Pat Mahomes, that's not really a team I want to piss off. And Andy Reid is like a really nice guy and a really nice coach. But the one time that Andy Reid gets a little ticked off is when you kind of like try to slap him in the face. And and that's when he tends to be like, all right, we're going to we're going to light the world on fire now. You know, we had uh, Nate Taylor in here not long ago, and, and he was saying how you know the, the Jack Del Rio one where he called Andy Reid's offense gimmicky, so Andy Reid dropped 50 on him. You know, I think that's going to be something where the, the Chiefs are going to remember when the Raiders beat them and the Raiders weren't exactly gracious in their beating at Kansas City. And I think Mahomes is going to go off. I think that has a chance to be like a two or three touchdown game. And then the other thing, too, is that Raider defense is like all not practicing right now because of COVID. So uh, I do like the Chiefs there minus eight. So give me Seattle minus three. All favorites. Seattle minus three, Chargers minus nine and a half, and KC minus eight. 
All right, and parlay I have, <laughs> I have uh, three favorites as well. Agreeing with you on Seattle that they'll beat the Cardinals uh, by three. Then uh, Browns minus three versus the Eagles. I just think any team that goes, you know, when the NFC East is in play against the non-NFC East team, I just tend to go that way. So go Browns minus three. And then finally, uh, the Patriots at Houston uh, minus two. I just feel like the Patriots have reached that point in their season um, with Belichick and what they do year after year, even though they don't have the talent this year that they've obviously had in the past, they've won two in a row. And they're at that point where they're just going to start grinding out these wins, even when they won't ne- don't necessarily, you think on paper, will be able to do it. I think they will do it in Houston and their favorite anyway, um, so that they're going to get into this mix. And I think they're going to find their way into the playoffs because of the expanded field. So Patriots minus Ooh. two at Houston. Marissa. Um, well, I actually got that from Shields pick, um, and it was minus one and a half. So, uh, oh, I'll, I'll take the one and a half. Okay. So we'll do Patriots <laughs> minus one and a half versus Houston. I get uh, all my lines from DraftKings. Okay. I just, I just look at whatever Shields picks are for the week. <laughs> you know, big fan of Shield Kapadia. Go read them if you haven't. <laughs> just don't um, listen to his then... podcast. Just don't listen to both. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm going to do Cincinnati plus one and a half versus Washington and Miami minus three and a half versus the Broncos. I made these picks about 30 seconds ago. So let's uh, fingers crossed that uh, I can keep my uh, standings alive. So and just as long as I'm beating Connor, like I don't really, you know, Tim, I, I want to beat God, you, obviously, just, but just ragging I just really want to beat Connor. Him. You dropped the twerk. I like Popper was letting me go all all nice and easy without when he when he drinks, he takes really embarrassing selfies. And Rich is like, oh, by the way, twerks you too. Definitely <laughs> told that on here before, Connor. Like there's I don't no doubt. Think I have. We got I mean, a comment matter. in the chat that says Popper will do the viral tweets and Connor will do the viral twerk videos. <laughs> I can I'm fine with it. I mean, I know I can dance, so I'm good. I know oh. I'm I'm I, I got rhythm. I got rhythm. So I'm good. I know I can much to Bree's dismay. That's my go-to. So I think I know, we, uh, we really need to get Brie on here because a Brie, be, yeah, a Brie, she'll a be the tell-off. truth teller. Yeah, she will. She oh, will let boy. it fill. Now you nice, want stories. a nice cup of tea with uh, Brie. Oh, <laughs> that girl, I've, I've been dating her since my my junior year, senior year of high school. So she has she has stories. She has she has stories That's to scary. tell. <laughs> Is that it? We good? I think so. Right, I th- Connor. Do you I want to so, yeah. wait? I think Connor should send us out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't take us home, Connor. Like that. I don't even know. I'm not doing that. I, I'll do it next week. I'll do it. Okay. I'll prepare myself. I'll get podcasts, back in the rhythm of host. How many of these podcasts have we done? And you have no idea what Tim says. That's the thing. The like, to, no, no, I do. But like to bring it okay. in and out, like I, so I do don't it. know. That's what I'm saying is I don't know how to bring it in and out. Like, it's no. just like, I, it's almost, it's like, it's, I thought it was like riding a bike. I was like, I have hosted a hundred radio shows before, like sports radio shows. I was the host and I don't remember how to do it. Like, if you asked me to do play by play right now, I did that for three years too. I could probably could do that either. Oh man, I was so off. I'm gonna bring it in next week though on Tuesday. Show. Yeah, tu- Monday or Tuesday show. Whenever we do the next one, someone commented Perfect. in the chat. William Kerr, shout out. It's 7:37 p.m. That's how you can end. Oh gosh, you asshole. <laughs> That's, <laughs> how you close it That's good. That's good. Nice. It's 7:37 p.m. and we're done. Bye everyone. And if you need a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. You can join for just one dollar a week. That's gonna do it for us. Talk to you after the game. Uh, early next week.